welcome to the last Wednesday of the week, the multi-tool of sports podcasts, bringing you an unrivaled menu of sporting goodies, whether it's our highlights, our deep dives, or interviews with the talent, no show brings you more sports on the last Wednesday of the week. On this week's show, Ben and I have our very first interview of season four. Enjoy. Yes, Daniel. Today we have a tremendous guest with us. He is a professional sports photographer and has been working with the Racing Post for 35 years, photographing horse racing up and down the country, covering some of the most prestigious races in the world, uh, Royal Ascot, the Epsom Derby, the Grand National, just to name a few. Uh, he is a nine-time HWPA Photographer of the Year, two-time Sports Journalist Association Sports Photographer of the Year. Um, oh, and of course, he occasionally shoots some lawn tennis at Wimbledon as well. Uh, please welcome to the podcast, Edward Whitaker. Uh. Uh, did nice we get that right? You, ben and Dan. <laughs> was, was that a kind of nice intro? Did we get the, the numbers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's that's about it. Yeah. I, <laughs> Good um, stuff. No, for photography has been, you know, I've been very fortunate um, to um, earn a living through a hobby. So, yeah. Good. It's, it's really great to have you on the show. And we're definitely going to get into some of those early days as well. So, yeah. you know, dust off those early days of your, your hobby, as you've described it there, which I'm really interested in. Um, ben, you, you've, got a, you've got our first uh, standard question for us. Yeah, Edward. I mean, the, the sort of way to get into these discussions, I think, is sometimes uh, works for our listeners if we ask the dinner party question. So if you were at a fancy dinner party and some distinguished guest asked you, what do you do for a living, Edward? What would you respond? What would your response be to that? Well, I'm a photographer um, for the Racing Post. Um, I, I joined them back in 1987. Uh, they were they'd, they'd been going for a year. They were started. The, the paper was started in 1986 in direct competition with the Sporting Life, which had a monopoly at the time. And I'd just uh, I'd completed a photojournalism course up in Sheffield. Uh, which was run by the um, NCTJ, the, the Council National Council for Training of Journalists, and I'd done a bit of freelancing for the Post. I had I had a friend who worked there, and um, yeah, well, they wanted a young photographer, and they offered me a job, and I've been there ever since. So, trying to so you and the Racing Post aren't are, are almost inseparable. Then you're kind of one and well, the same. Yeah, thing pretty much. I mean, I, I was yeah. I was there at the inception. Yeah, um, wow. And I was I was working when I was at college. I was doing some of their dummy run um, photographic shoots, and um, yeah. And when I finished college, I I went I went away for a while you know, doing, doing a bit of traveling in the subcontinent. And, you know, while I was there, I got a message saying that they wanted to offer me a job and I should come back. And, uh, I'm glad I did because, um, you know, I, I've been there ever since. And, and, you know, I love, I love the life. I love, you know, I live in, I live in London and, um, you know, the idea of, traveling from london to the countryside which is you know where most of the work is 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 perfect and then i can come back to the city in the evening so it sounds absolutely ideal what sort of opportunities over the last 35 years stand out that the racing post has afforded you that you look back and think i'm really thankful for this job those big opportunities yeah racing posts have been amazingly loyal um employers they've they've always um supported me given me carte blanche as to how i want to um illustrate the sport and and they've backed me and um you know throughout you know so i started 87 i was still i was 21 22 yeah i think it was 21 when i started so come you know and i was after even after about a year or two, I was being sent abroad, um, and but that was back in the day, obviously when we were shooting film. But you know, there were there was technology to to transmit images live, 
you'd have to develop the film, find a telephone line, hook up your machine, you know, <laughs> wow. this um, wire machine where you would um, scan a negative and the image would, would end up in London somehow. Wow. And uh, so it all started very early on and, and you know, technology kept on improving, improving, improving until now it's all, you know, it's all digital. Well, it's mirrorless now. So, so um, yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to get into the technology uh, and I want to, and we'll, we'll do that a bit later on because um, of course technology has a massive impact, not just on photography, but on sports journalism. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's get back a bit before, before your college course. So you said photography was your hobby. Um, how early did that hobby start and oh, at what point did you think i'm going to pursue that well back in um back in the early 80s uh, my dad uh was um a royal correspondent for the daily mirror okay. and um you, you know as a kid he'd take me along to uh you know to see prince charles and playing polo or princess anne riding in a venting and one of the one of the one of the first times I was given a professional camera, I was lent a professional camera, was at Badminton by a by a, a brilliant photographer called Tim Graham, a very famous royal photographer. And he positioned me, he was shooting colour. Yeah. I was shooting he gave me a camera with black and white and I sort of sat next to him. And we saw Princess Anne um jump into the water um in the cross country and and to my uh, massive benefit she fell off (laughs) and uh, i got a a a sequence of pictures and that was the first time i made i made he tim paid me 30 pounds for these pictures in 1982 and uh i was still at school so that was it. Uh, that you know, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. it was such a thrill. It was such a buzz, and I just thought, "That's it. That's what I want to do. I want to. I want to. I want to do photography <laughs> and, and uh, make a living uh, from that." Was it coincidence that it was a horse? Horses, or yeah. absolutely a coincidence? I mean, obviously, um, yeah. I mean, the royals they they they, they sort of are involved in, in horses yeah. with horses, but. And the racing post, I mean, I'm, I'm not really horsey. I just, um, it was just an opportunity. And and in fact, at, at, when I first started, I thought it might, you know, be a nice introduction mm. into newspaper photography. But um, I didn't actually foresee myself being there for, for the whole of my career, which is really how it's turned out to be. That introductory into newspaper photography, what kind of avenue were you thinking about? Was it was it sort of uh, hard news or was it a another well, I sport? Enjoyed, I enjoyed it all. Uh, I mean, I've, I've I was brought up with in in newspapers. I mean, my whole family is sort of in newspapers. Uh, I love hard news, politics, but primarily and and fashion as well. Actually, I, I like fashion photography. But I, you know, I was I loved sport. I did a lot of sports at school. I was successful at sport, and uh, but I was never big enough to sort of go to the go to the top. So so, but photography gave me that. It was quite similar to sport. It's very competitive. So so, it was you know, um, it was it, it suited me. It, it, you know. And you need the sort of reactions a sportsman might have. You know, back in the day before there was autofocus, you had to you had to learn how to, you know, manually focus and follow focus. You literally had to do the autofocus yourself. So that, you know, it's that whole um, hand-eye coordination, a bit of anticipation. So so I was quite good at that. And does that having um Sorry, Ben, I know you've got some other things you want to go in. I'm fascinated by this um, sort of branching into technology side of things. uh, You know, learning your trade or or, getting your sea legs early in photography, as as it were, with the manual element, as you said, learning about manual focus in a very high, very dynamic environment. Does that 
you feel perhaps give you an edge as now things have become digital, a lot of this stuff gets done for you in camera. Are you still able to draw on those skills to give you that oh, edge absolutely. where you can preempt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can really tell. You can tell um through work who which photographers learned to shoot um you know in the manual days and with film and those who who didn't uh, it just you know it's, a, it's you still have to fill the frame and compose and um but you know you, there are certain there are certain techniques that that you you're you're taught particularly yeah composure exposure exposing an image correctly correct color balance and it's you know it's still important you know if you have that raw file which is as close as perfect then it is going to be a stronger better image yeah whatever you do in post-production it's still good and important to have a a really strong raw file yeah Lesson number one for aspiring photographers there, Ben. Yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant information. You mentioned competition there, Edward. Is that is that competition against your, your fellow photographers or, or are you constantly critiquing your own work? So you're looking yeah. at your own compositions and you're trying to be better or is that against other photographers, new no, people well, coming onto yeah. the scene? I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm my biggest, um, you know, I... I I'm I I'm a, my biggest critic, so to speak, and uh, but with the other photographers, yeah, of course you're competing with them. You you want to outshoot them. You want to get yeah. You want to shoot the best you can. You want to you know you want to get the best images. So so yeah yeah. It's got, but it's healthy. You know, it's not unpleasant. It's it's just where it is. <laughs> is is there a time where you've learned a really hard lesson in photography where you've, you've um, got something fundamental you know has gone wrong or it might be tech failure or just facing the wrong way at the wrong time or something is it and you've looked back and yeah. gone that was a fundamental area but you've learned from it picked up it might be early early days or it might have been last week yeah you, know, you just um it helps to to prepare yourself um you can't you know there's there's obviously an element of luck uh, you need to be in the right place, right time. And that, there's nothing you can do about that if you're not in the right place. But you've got to sort of like foresee where, what potentially will make the best picture. You, And as, you know, throughout the years, you learn how you, you – it's quite repetitive, obviously. So the race meetings or whatever, yeah, they sort of fall the same time of year. So you know on a particular time of year even, month, month by month how the light changes and you're looking for the best angles and the best you know but you know for me I mean when I do the photography it's it's like the horse is very um you know particularly in in horse racing the horse is very much it's it it's not the important thing it's always you're looking at the background you're looking at the the canvas of where you're going to create the action so the action comes into the 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 camera into the background and that's what you're looking for you're striving to get the best background best light how the light falls on the horse um and that's that's how i how i see it every and you learn year by year by year you know you, you just it changes it's never never the same and you learn from all this and it's, um, yeah, but it's, you know, it's, you know, I've done it for a long time now. So, so I'm, I'm getting a little better at it. <laughs> Good. It's interesting you say that. I read a, an article on, it was CNN actually a little bit earlier today and it was about the, the blood moon shot. It's an absolute f- fabulous shot. Uh, you can see on Instagram, we'll, we'll post it on our Twitter. Uh, and I, I think you, uh, you actually mentioned, I think it's one of Nicky Henderson's horses, yeah. maybe, I'm not too sure, uh, but you mentioned that you knew the, the, the moon was coming yeah. up in that uh, direction. You yeah. just had to put a horse in front of it. Well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, yes, but th- there again, that was a little bit of, you knew, you could, there are, obviously on the internet, you, you get to see, you can get, uh, quite easily see where the moon rises, where the moon sets. 
um, particularly the full moon. And it tends to be roughly in the same place. I mean, it does change, though. So I was I was praying that this this would be similar, and it was. It was slightly different in the sky, but it was um, it was a shot I'd been I'd I'd, I'd seen I've photographed the moon um, and and horses in action before, but I had the right equipment this time to shoot it really really tight on a very very long lens, and all I needed was. Um, a horse in a particular place, sort of, uh, you know, with, and it's always a, it's a setting moon. So um, the moon rises as the sun sets. So it's obviously in the evening and it, you know, sets when the moon right as the sun rises. So um, yeah, so that worked nicely, but yeah, I'd see, I'd seen, I'd seen on a previous job where the moon had set and I thought, oh, look at that. That would be great if there was a horse up there, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. And this was this supermoon was um, – I mean, you get lots of supermoons, but this was a particular one. It was a super blue um, moon, which um, only happens every sort of 100 years because it's two full moons in one month, and they both happen to be supermoons. So this is, it was, I, I don't, I'm not sure about the, you know, the exact definition of it, but it, I know it's very, very rare. So, and it's, but it is the super moon. You had to make the most of it. Yeah, ha- exactly, Dan. You had to make the most of it and you yeah. captured it and it's a wonderful, wonderful it's photograph. a nice little tale as well. Like yeah. Caption to put with it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm interested in, in sort of uh, the specific shots and there is some questions I have about that, but, but sort of coming back to the racing post, is a hugely successful daily national print digital publisher. Um, you've you've sort of got a team uh, of photographers, not just yourself there, Edward. Uh, how are assignments set? Are you all sort of deployed at the big events at different sections? So I need a shot of of, of this horse. I need a shot of well, uh, this 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 uh, jockey, etc. Yeah, there are there are quite a lot of um, photographers um, who submit their work to the Racing Post. I'm um, there are only two of us who are staff photographers: myself and Patrick McCann, who's based in Ireland. Um, Racing Post, because it's um, does a lot of sports betting, um, has a contract with Getty Images, so they have access to all of Getty Images pictures whether it's general sport or horse racing so so they 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 would have that feed so they but we're not we're not deciding where we're going to go we're just i for me i i i'm i'm pretty much a free agent i i do what i feel i should do i try and find unique angles that others might not do or maybe they don't want to do it but my my um editor wants me to find these these angles so so i you know for example you know cheltenham uh cheltenham festival this year i got um in a position where i had access to a cherry this huge cherry picker went up 50 meters nice high and it, it, it created great vantage of the huge crowds and um it, it just a just a nice different view of of the action at Cheltenham Festival uh Cheltenham Festival you know is is a lot it, okay it's you know about the horses but also the people you know is a, a real passion amongst the race goers there more than any other race meeting in the year where they're, they're, you know it's real real great it's more like a football match than a <laughs> than a racing event so does that does that get you into your, you know, you said he had an um, interest in fashion photography and, you know, obviously fashion yeah, is people. Right. Does that kind of cross well, the just, boundaries I, a bit when people I, I, I just think, I just think, um, well, fashion photographers um, are very creative in how they see okay. and how they photograph. Um, well, sort of beautiful women in, 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 in whatever outfits they're wearing but again it's and it's movement and stuff and you can you take lots of different you take sort of inspiration from lots of different oh i do from different um 
different types of photography. I mean, when I was growing up, uh, before I start, you know, when I was sort of 10, 11, I was getting National Geographic and it was all about landscape photography for me. So, you know, you know, I just, photography, photography is just, there's so many different aspects to it. You can, you can, you can, you can just get ideas from different types of photography, you know, and, and bring it into what you're doing, which is what I hope I do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something that I see, and I'm simply in awe of, of these photographs. Uh, today, looking, you know, you've got a shot of Frankie de Tori hoisting up the, the Dubai World Cup, or whether it's Sam Whaley Cohen's fairy tale Grand National Triumph on Noble Yates. And you've even got a, a fancy photograph of the outgoing Prime Minister Boris's wife. Uh, um, can yeah. you tell us or give an idea of what a day in the life of a professional sports photographer is like? I mean, are you arriving at the venue at three, four in the morning? Or or, uh, you know, uh, no. is it structured? Well, it yeah, well, it depends on on on, on uh, the event itself. But the, the very big, there are big, there are a few big meetings a year. There's Cheltenham Festival, Royal Ascot, uh, Breeders' Cup in America, uh, Dubai World Cup, uh, Grand National, and there you you know you're turning up sort of eight nine in the morning racing starting sort of in the afternoon you want to be in front you want first of all you want to get you want to get in position for the crowds to 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 get into the into the course so you're looking at you know for me well I'm looking at the cues of people how people are dressed the excitement the buzz of the place um seeing people arrive you know a bit of fun bit of color bit of um you know just this sort of um yeah the sort of prep pictures and then you know you're into the action um so yeah so so for the big meetings yeah i'm there about nine in the morning uh for for uh, racing to start you know, at two in the afternoon or whatever. Yeah. So the, um, if, for you, it's not so much, you know, you, when someone's, you know, if you would talk to someone who doesn't know horse racing or photography and you said, Oh, you're a sports photographer for horse racing. They'll go, okay, you go along, take pictures of horses, but actually it's more than that. It's, well, it's that, capturing the yeah, event. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. And, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people say, Oh, what you're standing by the winning post. But no, I'm really not standing by the winning post. I hardly ever stand by the winning post photograph horses crossing a line it's it's uh, as i said earlier it's a lot of it's about you're, you're, you're looking for the best backgrounds the best mm. light and um you're just you're just working you're trying to get a nice little sort of portfolio of pictures each time you you cover a day's you know each time i go to work i'm trying to get a portfolio which shows lots of different aspects lot, lots of different views so the picture editor or the subs now who who choose the images have a have a, a rounded portfolio of images to choose from. I mean, I know a lot of it's now very much um, you know, if it fits a shape, um, then that goes in. But for me personally, I like to have a nice rounded portfolio each time I go racing. Do you shoot for the full frame you have available to you, or do you shoot with things like social media in mind? No, no. I never shoot with social media. No. That's just an afterthought. Yeah. So in terms of cropping to this and the other, that comes, yeah. that oh, comes no, next. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. I'm, I'm just shooting. I'm shooting the image. I mean, the, the social media side, which seems very important now, is, is mm. Racing Post have a big social media platform, and they, 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 they might pick most you know, use some of my stuff. I occasionally do my own if I feel in the mood. Yeah. And it comes and goes. I can have a time where, you know, like for Cheltenham, I might post stuff every day. Sure. Um, and then I'll suddenly, I'll go through a period where I can't, I just don't want to actually. Yeah. It's, it, it's quite, yeah. So, so I have to be in the right mood to actually post my own images. That's fair. 
Yeah, we, we, uh, I'm interested to ask about the sort of crowds in the community. We had some uh, super sad news yesterday, the loss of an exciting young racehorse, three-year-old Corobus, uh, uh, suffered a fatal injury at the Prix de Moulin at uh, Longchamp. Now, you photographed him. You've got a wonderful photograph on your Instagram yeah. uh, of Corobus winning, I think it was the 2000 Guineas at Newmarket. Yeah. And you're close tied to the community. I want to know what it's like within the horse racing community and around the paddock when these tragic accidents happen um, and how you sort of, how a photo, a photography goes alongside that as well. Uh, well, you'd never, you would never ever um, photograph a horse um, who was injured, particularly fatally, you know, or, or any, or a jockey. I mean, it's, it's there are rules um, set by the British Horse Racing Authority, and you 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 simply can't photograph this. I mean, it's no one wants to see the images of animals in distress, but um, it's it's quite a delicate subject um, with with horses um, who break down, and unfortunately, it does happen occasionally. And um, it's very upsetting to all concerned, whether they're classic winners like Caribus or, you know, someone's horse who, um, you know, they might have bought with some friends and it's racing in much lower grade racing. And again, but the, the thoroughbred is quite a fragile animal. And these, unfortunately, these, 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 injuries do do occur but there's an awful lot of um animal welfare with horse racing is is it's it's in in the uk in particular it's it's well the horse race horse is is the most wonderfully treated animal and there's a lot of love and care so so no one wants to see um a horse you know that's hurt and stuff yeah. yeah, moving away from that onto sort of more, more you know, positive and looking at favourite moments across your career, uh, you know, what what stands out? I mean, is it is it a day at Grand National? Is it it is a is it a, is it a, t- a Tory winner? Is there something specific? What stands out across your career? Um, well, I guess the, the standout, um, and it was a real defining moment in my career as a racing working for racing post was um when um the first time i was sent to america by the racing post to cover the breeders cup it was 1991 and um it followed the year after um lester piggott had won um the breeders cup mile on royal academy in new york and at belmont park and Dejo, this very famous sprinter, had jumped a shadow and narrowly, he was a champion um, sprinter of Europe and he was going to beat the Americans on, on their own patch. And unfortunately, he saw a shadow and he jumped it and he just got beaten. Otherwise, if he hadn't, he would have won that race. And it was a massive success for Europe. And the excitement about global horse racing was 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 really huge then so anyway so 91 as a young i was 25 they sent me to churchill downs to photograph a 91 breeders cup and i i'd never used remote cameras where cameras are remotely operated you can put them in positions where you wouldn't be allowed to go so they're sort of buried in the in the sand and um, the horse is very close by and you get some great, great angles looking up at the horse. Anyway, I got a picture of this this wonder horse called a Razi, but one um, juvenile. He was trained in France by this legendary French trainer called Francois Boutin. And uh, anyway, so this remote image made first time a racing place they ever used a whole front page as a, as an image. And that was it. And that that is the standout moment in my career. <laughs> really. A, a camera that you weren't touching at the time as well. Yeah, well, yeah, it was being fired yeah. remotely That's by this guy. This assistant, this, um, he worked for Breeders' Cup, a guy called Ed Atlas. I'll never forget his name. Anyway, <laughs> that was a defining moment in my career. 
Shout out to Mr. Atlas. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's somewhere on my um, on one of my social media things. He had this this very um, flamboyant jockey called Pat Valenzuela rode him, and the the, the silks, the colours of of the jockey were the stars and stripes of America, and it was against this piercingly cobalt blue sky with white puffy clouds. It was it was it was fabulous. I loved it. There is a special feeling I find at a horse racing event, um, you know, excited punters, usually some fun bets. Um, obviously, the horse is usually the main event. I was lucky enough to see the great racehorse Winx uh, win, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, win uh, her 25th, I think it was, straight race over in Sydney. And the atmosphere was just electric yeah, when she walked yeah. past it. It was, it was incredible. I think the Aussies take it to a different level. Actually, yeah. <laughs> was... I've never, I've never, I've never been racing in Australia, uh, which is a shame. And hopefully, one one year I'll get to the Melbourne Cup f- for sure. But um, it always clashes with Breeders' Cup, and I'm given the option. And but, you know, Breeders' Cup is a series of racing, and you've got the sort of there's a much bigger sort of European, yeah, it's sort of Group One racing as well, rather than. The Melbourne Cup is, you know, it's one race, a two-mile handicap. But, you know, it's not, it's not detracting from that, and it really is the race that stops a nation. But, um, yeah. But to, to, to bring it back to, you know, to British horse racing, can you even put into words for our listeners, um, you know, because I'm lucky enough to have been to a couple of horse races, is what the energy is like at these big meets. Um, what what you're seeing, um, you know, this, I find there's a smile on my face all day at these events. Oh, uh, whether that's the beer or not, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, Ben. But, I mean, no, there's a buzz. I mean, obviously, um, you know, uh, uh, there's the gambling side, few drinks, um so 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 there's always energy about you know watching your horse um trying to win a race so so it does it does create lots of um great energy i mean but you know for 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 any for all the meetings the best one is cheltenham you you never really get a better atmosphere than cheltenham festival and you got the it's just people sort of go a bit crazy at cheltenham they 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 most probably bet more than they would normally bet on another on another race, and there's a lot of passion going around. So, but yeah, maybe I'm I've just got used to it. But yeah, the jump racing is I think there's a bit more passion in jump racing than there is for flats. Um, so yeah, I'm really um, interested in uh, sort of your access um, on, on two fronts here. One is. Um, you talked about the cameras being in places physically that are either risky, dangerous, or out of bounds for whatever reason. No, uh, no, so no, no. Can... the camera, the cameras aren't um, in a in a in a place that's no. But you have to; they have to be positioned um, inside a rail. But that's allowed. You couldn't have a horse running over a camera. But yeah. You, so they're behind. They're, you, there's loads of rules and regulations, like there is in everything. So you have to yeah. have them positioned in the correct place. Yeah. But they're in a position where a human being would never be allowed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Just you know. Um, so so that's that's all. It's all it's all fine with that. So yeah, my question about that is um, is firstly about the technology and and you know, what your arsenal is essentially when you're at a, a race meet, um, you know, it's available to you. Uh, so let's start there. Yeah. What, you know, on a race day, what's in your bag and what do you have access to that maybe you didn't 30 years ago or, uh, maybe even just a couple of years ago that you now have yeah. available to you to, to pull from, take photos from capture. Uh, yeah. Well, you just, um, technology changes. Cat, my, I've, I was always shooting Nikon. I now use Sony cameras, Mirrorless is um, so there's no there's no they can be silent so that's yeah. a massive advantage with horses and um, they got because horses are quite spooky they can they can speak yeah. quite easily so if they can't hear anything then they don't really know what you know there's nothing for, to startle them that's interesting so, I've not thought so of that with the shutter the big, sound yeah 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 and oh, they can be quite DSLRs. Um, 
they're quite quite noisy the motor drives and you really but more and more people using mirrorless when someone does use the old dslrs you really do notice how loud the motor drive is that and i guess they've got these high um frame rates as well for yeah but it's just it's it's a um but anyway so yeah but as as regards what's in my bag i just have um i've got three camera bodies i've got lenses varying from wide angles to telephotos so so for the remotes you tend to be shooting shorter lenses so the but not necessarily always short lens. You can shoot long lenses, but to get, you know, when the light's good, it's again, everything's light dependent. And, um, but when it's a sparkling, clear, crisp, clear day, you tend to want to use wide angle lenses showing, you know, that, that, that produces much more vivid colors. And, um, yeah. And then you're very close, but you know, you can have the horse literally a meter away from you. And uh, yeah, yeah do you um do you, obviously you plan ahead of an event you have certain things that you may want to try and achieve but how much do you plan you know is is it a case of going literally where the light takes you uh, and you see what's coming um, or you kind of have an idea or do you go I've a bit got, like a I've wedding photographer and... I, yeah i look at the race card i got an idea yeah. how i'm going to shoot each race i mean the the big races have to be shot pretty um straight i mean sure. they have, you have to record the winner um in 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 a certain yeah um so and then you look at who you think might win the race and then you might make a call on that as well so you know like for the likes if it's a flamboyant jockey like frankie dottori and he's on the favorite and it's a big race you know you're going to get a massive celebration and you can sort of look for that picture and it's he's he's really is the king of of all all those sort of showman jockeys he's the best one yeah he is a showman isn't he ben before um sorry i've I've totally off railed you here ben but (laughs) no that's all right i just wanted to add to frankie tory he's uh (laughs) he's a joy to watch um there's a picture quite a recent one you posted actually on your twitter account that's just captivated me a little bit and it's the light in it and it's this um down warren hill at newmarket oh yeah and this sort of low light mist um you know silhouettes of the you know sort of a group of riders you know was that did you go looking for this shot did you happen across it you know did we just wandering about looking at the light and enjoying I, I was um that was um i was photographing um the world's greatest horse called baid i was with the trainer william haggis and we were, the horse had done his exercise and we'd driven down to the bottom of Warren Hill. I sort of knew what the light was doing. Yeah. I've been there, it happens this time of year where you do get this low lying mist and the horses. But this time I moved, I, I shot it. And what I love about that picture you're talking about, um, Dan, is, is, is using the road signs and the shape of the road. Um, to, to exaggerate the horses um, walking by the side of it. And again, that's just all about shapes and symmetry. And I was sort of thinking, it was like, would it have been better if there was a car in the middle of it? And actually, I don't... Though I did have some frames with a car, and I just didn't... I preferred it like this sort of empty, yeah, I mean, empty road, which was winding up. And But the horses, if you look at it carefully, are frame between the um the road signs mm-hmm. and one horse has got his head turned so you know they're horses you don't you know they're horses anyway but you need to see an obvious head horse yeah. head um no that's i i like that picture as well um I'm- I'm really enjoying it. And I think one thing that it speaks to, um, and certainly in context of the conversation we've had so far, is the work that's gone into that photo. It's not the planning on the day. It's the 30 years of experience of understanding the light, the way horses move, the preempting, the sports reactions you've talked about. Um, That's a good morning because, you know, um, it's rare to get access to these good horses. So I was given, you know, I was invited to the yard. I photographed them at the yard, preparing to go to the gallops. Did a team shot of the people behind the horse. I, I got into a position on Warren Hill where you're not you're not allowed to go to unless you're guided there. So that was great. 
the light was fabulous. I'd been up 24 hours earlier and to do the same job, but it was postponed because of it was monsoon-like condition. Oh, well. <laughs> but, you know, instead of just sort of like saying, oh, okay, I'm driving back to London, I actually went to Warren Hill again um, to photograph the horses in, in the driving rain. I mean, it was like hadn't seen rain for months and months and months. So it was a rarity in itself. So yeah. that, that made a that made a good picture itself, nice. which I didn't actually post on social media, but it made the front page of the paper. Nice. You, you sort of talk, uh, Dan, I'm going to dive in, you sort of talk yeah. quite, quite relaxed about uh, you know, symmetry, exposure, composition, uh, backgrounds, uh, like it's just second nature. Uh, for any sort of new photographers listening, what – you know, they've just got a, a camera for Christmas. What should they be looking to do? What What should they be going out and trying to shoot? What should they be thinking about? Well, you need to. You need to again. You know, find the background, something clean where where nothing's distracting. Usually, it's quite good to shoot um, stuff against the light, so the light's coming from behind or to the side, never sort of full on. Um, and but when you're doing that you need a dark background so black against black lit haloed lovely beautiful so you're looking for clean background dark backgrounds i.e sort of tree lines or anything that's not busy no you don't want busy you don't want bits sticking out you want something nice and neat and then so you, you've, you've chosen where you're going to do it and you know roughly where your subject's going to be and then you wait and then you you just compose and then, you know, it's, 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 it is practice and stuff, but you need to, you, and it, you know, you need to keep practicing and then you'd see and then, and, and then also the other great thing is to look at, you know, look at the newspapers and see how professional photographers are what what pictures are being used and and then you can you can see and and hopefully get inspired by different different types of whatever you're interested in, whether it's horse racing or football or um, rugby or um, you know cricket or any you know that's that's what you want to be doing. We're sort of moving into the arena of a masterclass now with all this information <laughs> and ideas. And there's going to be some listeners that are absolutely uh, loving this. Um, what, what, what would you shoot if you if you could go? What sport? What what event? Perhaps um, if you could go and and photograph, uh, what would it be that you haven't um, done? That you haven't done, of course. Yeah, <laughs> but I haven't done. I would like to photograph an olympics okay yeah um summer olympics um well winter olympics would be good i mean yeah but there are lots and lots and lots and lots of photographers doing it i, I mean that's fine it'd be quite it would be quite a nice thing to to cover um and i'm sure I'm sure that would be quite rewarding. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I photograph. I have um, I work at Wimbledon um, for the tennis. I, I, I do work there, and I enjoy, I enjoy the change. And it's quite similar to horse racing, Wimbledon. I mean, it's, okay, it's 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 sort of grass. So you sort of know, you know, you got the grass, you got. You've got lovely clean backgrounds there as well because there's very little advertising. And it, whatever advertising there is, it's very subtle. It's not in your face. So it really lends itself to great pictures. And the light's interesting. And, and tennis is a beautiful sport to photograph. Uh, uh, I, would, a human, I would like to photograph the Olympics. Are the humans more or less predictable than horses? <laughs> no, they're a lot quicker. The tennis, <laughs> tennis is a lot quicker. Um. Yeah, uh, it's just something. It's it, amazing skill as well. Reactions. I see. Uh, Nick Kyrgios um, beat Medvedev in New York last night. Yeah, an exceptional uh, match. Seems to have improved so much. He's, it gets. He's naturally brilliant. I'm not sure about his head, but and I'm not <laughs> sure whether he could be. 
Rafa, but I know they hate each other, so it'd be quite an interesting match, that one. Well, there's, there's always been some animosity since he beat Rafa at Wimbledon, and uh, oh, I, okay. I've sort of become a, a, a Kyrgios fan over the years. Yeah, yeah, I think he's, he's a breath of he's fresh great. air, and the match Absolutely. yesterday was full of the Kyrgios show, as you'd expect. Oh, really? um, and listen, that I mean, was, Medvedev last night, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, Medvedev was the uh, obviously the you know the reigning champion, so. Very interesting to see how it goes, but my money is on Nadal personally, Dan. Any other questions? <laughs> um, I've got one more sort of slightly bigger topic before we perhaps wrap up with some some lighter things, if there's any left, Ben, that we haven't asked. But it's on this topic of access again. It's, it's perhaps a lighthearted question. Um, but early on in the race in post-history, given that you were there almost at its inception, um, what... Uh, was there any moments where you might have needed to sort of blag your way into certain events or was there any of that going on at the time or was it straight into open doors here, come and see this, come and see that or are there any good stories where you might have blagged your way yeah, into a No, it's event? like you do. Um, uh, no, I would go, initially I would, I would go along with a reporter and it was all organised but, you know, as the years go by, have gone by, I've had to, you know, people trust me, they've known me for you know, since then and, and I can, I can, you know, get into places that I might not have been able to get into before. Um, but no, I didn't really have to blag my way in anywhere. I'm just, no, no, uh, quick hold the door the the security guys looking the other way and we'll go in and get these shots kind of thing no. No, none that you can tell us about anyway no, exactly. <laughs> no, I, no it was all no it was all by invitation and um Good. yeah yeah i mean it was you know i was getting into um you know it was owned by sheikh muhammad so so i was allowed to go to his um sort of stud farms that maybe others weren't allowed to go to um so yeah but nothing 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 too scandalous no yeah there's still time there's still time yeah yeah i mean that that time is it sort of brings me on to a question that might uh bring this round to a perfect finish so what, what does the future hold uh if you know at this point we talked about the olympics uh is there other areas in the sports world you'd like to photograph or um you you know what does the future hold for us as a professional sports photographer um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm too long in the tooth really. Um, Ben, I'm, I'm 57 in a few weeks time and, uh, my career has been with racing post. They're like my family sort of married to the job and, um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just be with them really. And I'm very happy, happy with them. So, um, you know, as long as I can do the occasional, um, you know, event away from the racing just to recharge my batteries, that's fine by me, really. Yeah. Brilliant. It's, it's been sort of a real insight into the sort of world of a, a of a sports photographer and, you know, the day-to-day goings and, and the focus on the photos and what you need to create a great photo. And you make it sound so easy at times. And, and I know it's years of, of dedication and hard work. Um, so it's absolutely wonderful to have you on. Well, thank you very much. It's been lovely to chat to you too. Ben, that was, I really enjoyed that interview. Um, those that, those of us, uh, that listeners that know you and I will know that we're both, you know, we're into photography. We're certainly not at the same level <laughs> as Edward Whittaker, but, you know, we, we kind of understand the, the skill involved, uh, whether we have it or not is another matter, but we appreciate the talents and um, sporting uh, photography or otherwise, his uh, passion for photography came through. Loud yeah, absolutely. Day. Absolutely. We are both um, photography fans. Obviously, we're not at that level, but we know, you know, the difference between a DSLR and a mirrorless. And, you know, I've got a Nikon sitting up here and I enjoy taking photos. Um most of them probably terrible but what kind of <laughs> struck me is edwards almost it was almost nonchalant about his craft it was he was so relaxed about 
truly incredible photos. And that has to have come from just years of practice and practice yeah. making mistakes. I'm sure he's, he's had some negatives run away or he's, he's overexposed a shot and never got been able to bring it back. But he was so relaxed about talking about composition and clean mm. backgrounds and symmetry. He made it seem easy, which I think the best in their field always seem to do. Yeah, it reminded me of a, a podcast I was listening to recently, the High Performance Podcast, yep. with, uh, Jake. I, I can't remember who they were interviewing, but they were talking about the basics and the basics often being confused for easy or as a, you know, used, used as a synonym, synonym, which it isn't. You know, and some of the best talents in the world, they were talking about NBA players, you know, they get the, they do the basics. They never forget the basics. And I think that's what, um, you know, Edward touched on there. We didn't talk about it explicitly, but he talked about the basics of learning his craft with a manual camera, a manual focus, a follow effect, you know, all that kind of stuff, exposure. Um, you know, and that, that practice of the basics, using the light, knowing the light, you know, it's second nature him, to him now because it's 30 odd, you know, 35 plus years later um, and he's still practicing. And I think um, anyone who can pick up a camera and think they can take a decent photo, that's one thing. But to consistently pull it together and be good enough for print around the world and digital media around the world, then you've got to be getting those basics right. And I think that came through loud and clear. Yeah, and he actually echoed. He said that everyone's a photographer now. Anyone that's got a, a mobile phone, smartphone, these modern fandangled things can take a photo and, and drop it onto social media. Uh, but he he talked about the the blue blood moon shot, and he said, yeah. oh, you know, it's simple to see that you know you can find out where the moon sets rises etc but to have the foresight to think that could be exciting that could work this yeah. angle will afford me uh, that possibility um can that be taught possibly over you know the course of the better part of four decades from that first black and white camera capturing princess anne all the way through to now one of the the few staff photographer jobs in the uk um it was yeah. a pleasure and we're gonna we're going to, you know, obviously with his permission, uh, uh, post and show on Twitter and Instagram a few of his most incredible pictures. I implore people to go and look at this Instagram, go and look For at sure. the Twitter. Uh, there's some fabulous shots. Yeah, we'll put all the links in the show notes. And yeah, I loved I loved his story from how he was, you know, giving the camera to use and play with. And that 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 was the bug there and then for photography. Yeah. And the horses almost came by accident a little bit. And um it was so clear, not just his passion for photography, but how he appreciates what he's um done and achieved and been and uh, you know, where he's where he's got to in his career so far um it's yeah it's it's wonderful uh, to see someone clearly enjoying what they do and also approachable and willing to impart some yes. information so hopefully some budding photographers young photographers out there maybe looking to buy a mirrorless camera they can say right background okay clean i'm thinking about this what about mm -hmm. the light where's the sun you know they can they can uh, apply some of that uh, technique and advice yeah well thank you edward for spending the time with us we really appreciate it and don't forget you can check out all the details you need to in the show notes and you can find us on socials at wednesday pod um, that is all for this week's show we will of course be back next week on the last wednesday of the week but all that's left for this week is for me to say i've been dan and i've been ben until next last wednesday of the week be kind bye bye <laughs>